This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we'll study Jesus anointed by Mary. The triumphal entry, Jesus' response to the Greeks who wanted to see him. Jesus fulfills the prophets, and Jesus shines his light in our darkness. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, as we continue our walk through St. John's Gospel on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily verse-by-verse Bible study on demand at thewordendures.org and on the Lutheran Public Radio app. Wait, oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Bozeman. Wait, wait, hey, 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 Mr. Bozeman. Mr. Bozeman, look and see. Oh, Welcome back to yeah. Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. For the remainder of today's program, we're going to be going through your email via our email address, talkback at issuesetc.org. Always there for your show suggestions, your questions. If you have a question of a guest you've been listening, you didn't understand, you want some clarification, maybe you just want to add to the conversation, talk back at issuesetc.org. The same goes for the Issues Etc. listener comment line, 618-223-8382. We continue to get volumes of email regarding our interview with uh, Rebecca Curtis on mothers working outside the home. This comes from Sarah. She said, interesting comments about a mother's vocation today. It is certainly wrong for working women to look down on their sisters who are not using their education in the workplace, but instead are caring for their families at home. We all should avoid such an attitude. Those who stay home full time should also take care not to look down on women who do work as greedy or selfish. Idleness and loneliness can be problems for moms, especially after the early years when children no longer require constant care. A paid job can be a good way to serve and connect with a wider group of neighbors when her own family does not need all of her time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the email, Sarah. That's a very good point. And one of the things I think that she highlights there, and we probably should have brought this up with Rebecca when we were having that conversation, the listeners always kind of point out the blind spots. And and I should have known this because my wife is in in precisely this situation. She's a stay-at-home mom, but we have grown kids. Now, one of them happens to live with us, but he requires zero care beyond the occasional reminder that he's late for school or work or something like that. But he, as I say, he's now self-cleaning. So he doesn't require constant parenting. But when you when your kids are out of the house, we should have asked that question of Rebecca. You know, what what happens when the kids are out of the house? Should mom go back, go to work if she wants to? And I think Rebecca probably would have said, sure, why not? We were speaking to the narrower situation of when the children are still school age or they're still little or perhaps even in the more extreme cases, the children have just been born. The woman takes off, what, a month, six weeks, and then heads back to work and sends this infant, essentially a newborn infant, off for someone else to take care of. So we were speaking to that situation. The purpose of the conversation was never to kind of foster this, well, okay, all you women who stay at home taking care of your kids, you now have permission to look down on the women who go off to work or vice versa. As I've said before, in response to other comments, we're kind of having this inter-Christian conversation on this thing. Bear in mind, and I think everyone knows this if they pay attention to anything that's going on in the world, the world is sending a message to women and to, in particularly, young girls who will one day be women, that their life will be wasted if they stay home with their kids. That their education, such as it is, will be wasted if they stay home with their kids. 
that the world will pass them by if they stay home with their kids more than just the narrow allotted amount of time that you get paid leave. Putting your family in financial peril if you stay home with your kids. That message is being drummed into the heads of little girls every single day. God forbid that one of these little girls goes off to college and says, you know what? College is fun, but I really just want to get married and have kids. Maybe I should be looking for a guy who can support me staying home with the kids when they need my mothering instead of planning for a career that I'm really not that interested in. What will the world say to such a girl that says, you know what? I, I, I don't need four years of college. I want to be a mom and have children. That's my aspiration. What will the world say to her? You're even worse than the women who get your four-year education and then waste it by staying home with their kids. So we're trying to counter not falling off the horse on the other side. We are trying to counter what the world is telling women. And some of our listeners have taken a little umbrage at this, but we're speaking to women. There are people who go out and pursue their careers solely out of greed and it doesn't come out like I'm greedy. I need to go work. It comes out as one income isn't enough. We could live on it, but one income isn't enough for us because we need what? The bigger house, the better neighborhood. And it's usually couched as kind of helping the kids. We want to be in the better neighborhood. It's a better school district. Like for the kids, what they really want is five bedrooms instead of three. And, and for, Disney vacations. And Disney vacations and all those things. Don't tell me it isn't greed. It is. It's just, it's just been justified as the American dream. So that's what we're trying to speak to there. Your, now, kids, no, no, your kids can live without a Disney vacation. They can. They can they live really, without a lot of things. They can live without a lot of things. So can parents. Yeah. So can parents. Not to lay all this at the doorstep of girls and women. I know men who do not want their wives to stay at home. Lots of men because they want the boy toys. They want the dual income. So you know what? They can pretty yeah. much keep living like they yeah. lived before they got married yeah, they, and they, had kids. <laughs> yeah, and they want the boy toys. They want the man cave. They want the, the, the big obscenely expensive truck to park you're not going to park that thing in the garage. Number one, it won't fit in the garage. And number two, you're not going to hide it from your neighbors. I got a guy down the street from me. I don't know him, never seen him, but I see his truck when I walk by with the dogs at night. He never parks it in the garage. He's got a three-car garage. Why not? I haven't done the measurements, but I think it would probably fit in his garage, but... That truck is too nice to park in a garage. Come on. That's a status symbol that sits out on his driveway. Maybe he has a boat in the garage. Well, maybe he does. The boat is made to sit outside. But, you know, there, there are these things that we have to consider. And, and the world is telling this guy, you go for it. You are, you are the picture of success. Now, I'm not saying he's neglecting his children. But he's probably not doing on a, if he's doing on a single income, he's got a good job. I doubt he is. So We've heard from countless women over the years who would love to be stay-at-home moms, but their husbands forbid it. Yeah, got to work. Sometimes you do have to work. 
Yes. But sometimes got to work just means I don't want to have to get by on a single income. This comes from Mark in Nebraska. I'm listening to Pastor Peter Bender's talk on infant baptism in your podcast on January 15th. Can God create faith in an infant? Consider this. Can a baby understand and reason out how the process of creating an area of low pressure, thereby causing areas of higher pressure to rush in and fill the void caused by the low pressure area? Of course not. But a baby does this every day when he or she sucks on a bottle or a mother's breasts. If God can build that ability into an infant without the infant needing to understand the physics behind the process, why can't the Almighty Father place faith into an infant? Thanks for the insightful email, Mark in Nebraska. Mark, thank you very much. That's, that's good because, if we, because the argument is they can't understand. If a baby can't understand, it can't have faith. Well, there are a lot of things babies can't understand, but they can still possess. So add to that the notion, which I think is the most powerful one about baptism, and that is that baptism is entirely God's work. It, this does not depend on what the child is able to do. The child passively receives the mighty work of God. But I'll use the Jeff Schwartz apologetic here, which is, you know, if it, it, he was sharing this with me earlier. If you think the idea of a baby having faith is crazy, I also believe that Jesus walked on water and didn't sink. I also believe that God parted the Red Sea and the children of Israel crossed on dry ground. I believe that uh, Jesus turned water into wine. None of those things, none of those things stand to reason, so to speak. They all, they all violate at least what we consider to be the ordinary course of events in our lives. I believe that when the pastor speaks Christ's words, this is my body, this is my blood, what he puts in my mouth is bread and wine that is also the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I could send that bread and wine off to a lab and they could analyze it six ways from Sunday, and they will never detect body or blood. They will only detect bread and wine. We're talking miracles here. So baptism is a miracle just as much as Jesus turning water into wine is a miracle. If you can buy one, you could buy the other. If you say, I do believe that Jesus rose physically from the dead, a miracle, then what's to stop him from giving faith to infants? This is Mark in Fenton, Missouri. I'm preparing to enter into a conversation with a Baptist about baptism. As part of my preparation, I'm going to use Acts 2. But I have a question that is peripheral to my defense of the proper understanding of baptism. As I read Acts 2, Acts 2.38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter had already preached the sermon that cut the crowd to the heart, causing them to ask, what then should we do? Peter responds by telling them to repent and be baptized, and then they will receive the Holy Spirit. Was the crowd not yet saved? Later in Acts 19, Paul encounters disciples which I presume must therefore already be Christians, but they had only received the baptism of John. Paul had then properly baptized them so they would receive the Holy Spirit. I know to be Christian is to already have the Holy Spirit. So how should I understand these portions of Scripture where the Holy Spirit appears to be given through baptism 
after conversion by hearing the preached the Word of God. Thank you so very much, Lutheran Public Radio. So you're exactly right that no one believes apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. This is something that virtually every Christian denomination can agree about. I mean, even if you find, you could you could go to Billy Graham, the purveyor of decision theology, and say, can a person believe apart from the work of the Holy Spirit? And he would say, absolutely not. Now, he's going to sort out that differently than, say, a scriptural Lutheran view is going to be. A Lutheran view is going to say that that conversion is entirely the work of the Holy Spirit. And Billy Graham's going to say, no, it's it's mostly the work of the Holy Spirit with some necessary cooperation on the part of the individual. But he probably would even say, even that cooperation is, is the product of the Holy Spirit. I strongly suspect that's what Billy Graham would say. These narratives here in the book of Acts are not given, they're not giving us a roadmap to conversion as much as proclaiming these positive truths to us about the relationship between baptism and the Holy Spirit. So are there people in the crowd who, even in saying, of course, they can't even say, we repent, in essence, they're cut to the heart, what shall we do? They can't even say that apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. So your question really kind of hinges on where does the Holy Spirit begin his work in the narrative? And I'm and I'm saying that I don't think the narrative is there as kind of this is the sequence of events that the Holy Spirit uses here. But always the point here is to connect baptism with the Holy Spirit and the preaching of the word with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, there's never a wordless spirit. There's never a spiritless baptism. There's never a spiritless preaching of law and gospel. They are wedded together. The Holy Spirit is at work even as Peter preaches the entire sermon. How he plies the hearts of men, how he works the hearts of men through the course of that sermon is for the Holy Spirit to, that's the Holy Spirit's business. That's why our our Lutheran confessions are very careful to say that the Holy Spirit works faith when and where he wills. They don't say how he wills. Because we already know beyond a shadow of a doubt how he works faith, and that is solely through the word, whether that word comes in baptism or whether it comes through preaching. The how of his work is never in question because Scripture connects the work of the Holy Spirit always to the external word. When and where? That is, we we cannot discern these things. So we need to say, of Paul's first sermon that you mentioned there. There are people who are being brought to repentance and faith. Those two things always go together. Again, the confessions put those things together. What is repentance? It consists of contrition and faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit is already bringing them to that true repentance and faith through the preaching. So you say, what's baptism for then? And why does he say, you will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit? when they are in fact already through his preaching, receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, the spirit is at work there. Baptism has been commanded by Christ and had powerful promises regarding baptism in Christ's institution. And he's saying repentance, baptism, and the gift of the Holy Spirit all go together. What shall we do? Do what you're doing right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are repenting. Believe this promise, that promise is believed and received in baptism. 
and the Holy Spirit comes. We're along that, the chronology, the people are being brought to faith. There is no doubt that the Holy Spirit's at work from beginning to end. We don't try to sort out everything in between. And then, again, you do have that very briefly, the account of Peter seeing people who obviously do believe in Jesus, but have only received John's baptism. And here, what they are receiving is the fulfillment of John's baptism when they receive the Holy Spirit. Do they not have the Holy Spirit before? Yes, they do, because they believe in Jesus. But notice in that account, what they receive there is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's work, a sign that is the speaking in tongues, so that they can be assured that they have not been left out on any gift that the Holy Spirit gives. The Holy Spirit never gives in half measures. He always gives the whole thing, and He wants everyone in whom He works to be certain that He has done His work from beginning to end. We'll be right back. I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter and make believe it came from you. Built on the rock, children of the Heavenly Father, on my heart imprint your image, rejoice, rejoice, believers, and so much more. Hi, this is Pastor Will Whedon inviting you to join us for our hymn sing at the 2020 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. This year's theme, Northern Lights, Danish and Scandinavian hymns. Making the Case is Friday, June 12th and Saturday, June 13th at Concordia University, Chicago. Find out more and register at issuesetc.org. Many Lutheran pastors outside of the U.S. receive little or no seminary education. Luther Academy provides theological triage through conferences, books, and journals. Help support Luther Academy by making a tax-deductible donation at lutheracademy.com or call 260-452-2211. Serving Lutheran pastors to the ends of the earth. Luther Academy, 260-452-2211 or lutheracademy.com. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we'll study Jesus anointed by Mary. The triumphal entry, Jesus' response to the Greeks who wanted to see him. Jesus fulfills the prophets, and Jesus shines his light in our darkness. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, as we continue our walk through St. John's Gospel on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily verse-by-verse Bible study on demand at thewordindoors.org and on the Lutheran Public Radio app. Concordia University Chicago is committed to keeping college affordable for all and especially for LCMS Lutherans. We have scholarships available specifically for students who are LCMS members. This is Dr. Russell Dawn, president of Concordia Chicago, asking you to encourage your student to check out Concordia Chicago at cuchicago.edu. And if you are interested in supporting these scholarships, please find us online at foundation at cuchicago.edu. Jesus, a study on the words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month. For January, it is a side-by-side comparison and presentation of all four Gospels 
on the words of Jesus. It's a kind of a kaleidoscope picture, maybe taking that diamond that is the proclamation of the gospel in the person and work of Jesus Christ and turning it so you can see the various faces on there. Find out more about Jesus, a study on the words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at our website, issuesetc.org. Call Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040. James lives in Cambodia, and he says, Hello, Issues, etc. For years, I've been trying to figure out your numbering system for your podcast download episodes, but with no success. Is it a secret code? <laughs> Thanks for listening in Cambodia, James. Okay, I'm, I'm assuming that he's referring to the, how we number them when, when they're posted at the website. So I'll answer that question. That was a numbering system suggested by a longtime listener who liked to download them and organize them by date. We used to just have, how do we used to number them? I don't even remember. We used to number them in a different way, which I've quickly forgotten. So here's the code. It's not secret. The first three digits are the day number of the year. So it's the 21st day of January 2020 today. So the first three digits are 021. The last digit is the number of the episode for that day, the order in which it airs. So this would be, the number of this one would be 021. That's the day number. And then the last one, this would be five because it's the fifth segment of today's program, 0215. I agree. It defies any other explanation when you're looking at it because, but when you realize the first three digits are the day number, then you go, okay, that makes perfect sense now. And this was done, I can't remember the listener's name. I know he can't, He actually George came, Cook right he, here in Collinsville, Illinois. He actually came in, if I'm not mistaken, and explained his dilemma. And he said, why don't you just do it? Why don't you do the day number and the number of episode? And I was, okay whatever you want, George. And we've been doing it ever since. Now, if you're asking about when you see the URL up there and you see what the actual number of the show is sitting on our server that comes up, you see the URL, that's the Wilkins system. That is the total number of episodes, which is the first one. And today would be 3,000. This is since we came back, 3,012 that's, but this is the 3,000th and 12th day we've been broadcasting. And, or weekday we've been broadcasting. And then the number after that is just the date. And then the episode number. So it's a long, complicated number, but it, to Wilkin, it means something. And it has to mean something to Wilkin because Wilkin's the guy who posts all that and has to keep track of it. So it's important to you know how many episodes we've actually done. No, I just started. Do, do we have like a 5,000? Do you have something like... Keep an eye on the calendar when we approach 5,000 and we're going to have like an anniversary party. But it's not even 5,000 episodes. It's 5,000. It's So today is the 3,012th weekday we have been we have been broadcasting since we've come back. It's just an arbitrary system so I can keep track of where stuff is. Here's an email from Celia in Oslo, Norway. I love listening to your programs and I often use the app to listen to whatever you send outside of the live show hours. I often find awesome stuff when doing that, but it's difficult to catch who is talking and what the topic is. I could be interested in downloading that particular episode as a podcast, but that's more easily said than done, as it is a bit hard to figure out what I'm listening to. 
would you please consider looking into the possibility to show on the app what show is currently airing and if possible, a link to that particular show as a podcast if we want to listen from the beginning. That or the possibility to start a show over again from the podcast. I know they do that on radio apps. The name of the speaker and topic on the screen is definitely the most important thing. Thanks for all the great work you do. I hope to come to the Issues Etc. conference in Chicago in June, concludes Celia in Norway. Looking forward to seeing you, Celia. Okay, is she talking about the live stream or is she talking about on-demand archives? She's talking about the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Okay, so these kind of questions make my head hurt a little bit. Where there's a will, there's a way, but we would probably have to hire a full-time employee to do what you want us to do because it would require that we somehow modify the app to display what is called the metadata on the file. All that information is on the file. It's in there. It's hidden in the file, but it's, it's metadata that people don't ordinarily see. And some apps show you that metadata and some don't. If you're listening to the live stream, we'll never be able to do that because that's a catalog of show after show after show. The metadata is there, but we couldn't give you a link. To give you a link to the original show would require going back, finding that link and attaching it somehow to the show. Could be done, but it would probably take a full-time employee doing nothing else than that on all the backlog of shows that we have there. So we'll do our best. As the technology advances, what was impossible yesterday becomes possible tomorrow. So I'm not going to say it will never happen, but that it certainly will be something that we will keep in mind. We always want to improve. Tomorrow on Issues Etc., Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is going to introduce us to the book of Philippians. This is one of my favorite of Paul's letter. I'm looking forward to that conversation with Pastor Wolfmiller. I know you are too. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Repentance and forgiveness, sin and grace, law and gospel, more than cliches, real preaching for real people in need of hearing the real Christ. Christ for you in the divine service at St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamill, Illinois, where we gather every Saturday night at 6 and on the Lord's Day, Sunday mornings at 745 and 10. Look for the Church of the Neon Cross on I-55 between exits 30 and 33. Find us on the web, stpaullutheranchurchhamill.org. St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamill, where there is the forgiveness of sins, life and salvation for the people of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Listen to chapel services live weekday mornings from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. Live weekday mornings at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at issuesetc.org.